Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, starring me, Dags. Powerful podcast tonight. We're really excited. All the way from Greenland is Sean from the powerful Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast. Put your hands together, take them apart, put them back together, take them apart. Keep doing that for Sean. Welcome, Sean. It is a pleasure to be here, sir. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. I'm looking forward to earning my way into the five-timer club so I can get access to the back room and hang out with Chevy and the gang. That sounds dirty. That's <laughs> an old skit from uh, Saturday Night Live. It is. I know. I yeah, know. okay. Powerful. I I... Is it Chevy or Chevy? I, I believe it's, it's, it's Chevy, but Chevy drove his Chevy to the levee, and the levee was dry. Wow. Powerful references tonight on the most powerful podcast ever created. Uh, I'm trying to bring my A game today. You know, I mean, you know, you, you forced me to bring my A game on yes. my show. I just kind of like, I'm lazy about it. But with you, I need to uh, step it up and, and make sure I'm bringing the power. You're lazy. Have you come up with the name of the, or your fans yet? Your listeners? Uh, well, um, we, we do have a, a small group of, of super fans. You know, who who write into us every week or every couple of weeks or, you know, who interact with us. We do have those that small group that we give nicknames to. Like uh we have an otter, uh, we have uh Stork, who you're you're familiar with, and uh and uh, a mongoose. So, you know, we, we, we do have a uh a, a menagerie of uh annoying of animals, annoying animals, yes. Yes. Powerful. Yeah, that's what we try. But yeah. Now I heard the news about Spider-Man and the first person I thought of was you. We need to talk about today on this powerful podcast, Spider-Man. What's going on? Is this all hype? Is it all publicity to get you to watch the Spider-Mans? Well, I, I, I think it's more posturing than it is hype or anything else. I, I think what we have is two companies who are trying to slice up a billion dollar pie. All right, let's stop right now. Let's tell the kids if uh, they were living under, uh, if they were in their uh, bunker and they didn't hear the latest news. Fill them in, please. Okay, so the it, it broke that um, Sony has severed ties, if you will, um, in regards to sharing Spider-Man with the Marvel Disney uh, Cinematic Universe. So... It, nobody's quite sure what prompted that, except that there were negotiations that were going on that Disney, who was only getting 5% of every dollar or first dollar, so some some odd phrasing that they use as a first dollar, um, 
they were only getting 5% of the, fir- of the first dollar and they were looking for more of a 50, 50 split. Uh, Sony is trying to keep as much money as possible and it also behooves them. Many people think is then they can transition the Spider-Man franchise into what they're trying to build with their, you know, pseudo spider verse with Morbius and Venom and, and whatnot that they've been planning on doing. Kevin Feige is out. Kevin, as it stands right now, Kevin Feige is out. Yes. Um, they, you know, apparently Sony released a statement earlier today where they said that there's been a gross misrepresentation, um, that this was a decision by, by Disney, um, that Kevin Feige had other responsibilities and that they had done other Spider-Man projects where he wasn't listed as an executive producer, but still had input with. So, but technically like he was an executive producer on Spider-Man far from home and Spider-Man homecoming, um, which was still produced by Sony. Like they, 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 they were the ones who actually put up the money for the production. And then Marvel has their input into how that can integrate into the Marvel cinematic universe. And that's where Kevin Feige came in. Now, did Kevin Feige have anything to do with, uh, into the spider verse? My understanding is no. So that's interesting, isn't it? Well, I, I think it's interesting because the thing you have to remember is Sony owns all the rights to Spider-Man still. So like the animation rights, they own completely separately from like the animation movie rights, I should say. They own completely separately from uh, the, the regular Spider-Man live action rights. So that's why they were able to go ahead and make the Spider-Verse movie, and they didn't really need Marvel's input into that. Now, they had, you know, a few years ago, they had gone into an agreement with the live-action Spider-Man because of their failures to really get it to take off, and they allowed Marvel, Disney, to they kind of loaned Spider-Man back to them, which is what this deal was really all about was they still own the rights, but they were just loaning it to them. So I think it's interesting because into the Spider-Verse was a huge hit and it was uh, all done by Sony is what you're saying is. So do they really need Disney? I kind of like it because Disney can be kind of like the Borg where they just uh, assimilate everything. And I kind of like, right. You have Sony, you had Fox, Everyone has their different spin, you know, letting a certain director micromanaging him where the other person is hands off and in the way the whole artistic project flows. So I kind of like the diversity in that, not having one company rule the world. So I'm hoping the Sony thing kind of, I, I would like to see it go in a different direction. Okay. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, 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 I'm of, I'm in the camp of, from a live action standpoint, I have really enjoyed the Tom Holland Spider-Man and I've liked, I liked homecoming a lot. I was a big fan of, um, far from home as well. I thought it did a really good job of, of telling the story it, it tried to tell. Um, I liked that Spider-Man was kind of, was finally being integrated in, to the, to the cinematic universe because he's such an important character in Marvel that I, I liked that he was kind of back in, in that fold. But um, 
like it, I, I feel like myself that into the spider verse is more of a fluke that it really is a proven track record of what Sony can do with this character. Well, they put a lot In of thought opinion. into it. Well, I, I agree. I mean, and they pulled off something brilliant. I mean, I think, you know, the animation that went into that, the, the, the style of animation that they used, the story that they told, I mean, they, the integrating of the, the multiverse like they did. I think they did a really good job with it. I, I'm, I, I'm the last person who's going to say that that was a bad movie. It deserves all the accolades that it got. But I, I think if we look at what Sony's done over the years with this this franchise, um, you know, going back to the Sam Remy, Tobey Maguire trilogy, and and with the Andrew Garfield movies, and he, even Venom, like I, Venom wasn't like I, a lot of people liked it, but I, it was just a meh movie for me. Uh, I, you know, I I worry that Sony's gotten they they want to do something on their own. They've been they they've wanted to do something on their own. They, you know, with the Andrew Garfield Spider Man, they wanted to create a Spider Verse and they wanted to do a Sinister Six movie and everything else they wanted to do, and they've just never been able to get it right. And they get one movie right with the animation side and it was into the Spider Verse, and it almost feels like they feel like they can do it again. And I I, I don't know if that's possible. I like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. To me, he was closer to Peter Parker. Tom Holland, to me, is too small. It's too wimpy. Like, I didn't like to bring him in uh, to Marvel. He's kind of just like this mm-hmm. little afterthought, kind of like, do you remember when the Beast went to the Avengers? And he was kind of a joke. He was kind yeah. of a joke. You know, they he was kind of like comic relief instead of a super powerful dude, what he really is. So to me, like Spider-Man, what I didn't like is how he was... Uh, Tony Stark's little, little kid, you know, instead of being a powerful dude in himself, you know, he's more like, Oh, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark. So I, I want, you know, more of a, I like Toby, Toby McGuire, more of a standalone Spider-Man and not, not brought into the Marvel universe. as just like a little joke. Right, I, I get that. I, I, you know, I, I like the Toby McGuire Spider-Man myself. I, cause Sam Remy, who directed those three movies, he was a fan of the Silver Age comics. So if you look at the first two Spider-Man movies, you know, they, they have that Silver Age feel about them. Peter Parker had that yes. Silver Age feel, you know. Um, when you get to Spider-Man 3, you know, Sony forced Venom on him. That, he didn't want to do a Venom movie. That was kind of forced on him by Sony because that's what the fans wanted. And he didn't get that character at all because it's not a Silver Age character. And that movie suffered because of it. And that's when you get, you know, the the wacky dancing Peter Parker and emo Peter and all that other stuff. Because that just wasn't what Sam Remy was about. No, that was, yeah, that was jumping the the shark. Yes, definitely. Right. I I think if you look at how he handled Sandman, who is a Silver Age character in that same movie, it's a much better representation because Sam gets those characters. And I, you know, Spider-Man Four that they were going to make before they finally dropped. I mean, that was going to be Vulture. That was going to be Ben Kingsley. You know, would he have gone more traditional with the the green suit and everything, like like the, like the comic book look? Um, you know, so I mean that 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 that's what Sam Remy was doing, and that's why I think that character resonates more with you because 
of who, who was directing it and where his background was. I, I think if you look at the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, it was like, well, we need to modernize this, but they made him such a mopey jag off that I just couldn't get into to his version of Peter Parker. I didn't like his hair. I think. <laughs> I need, I need, a, I need a flat top. Parker. <laughs> and then when you finally, when you get to Tom Holland, I think again, this was kind of Marvel kind of trying to, well, we need to modernize this character in a way they, they I mean, they made him a 15 year old. And while I, I understand your points and I'm, I'm certainly not going to disagree with you. I, at the same time, I, I feel like this is what a kid today would be like if he had these superpowers. And I think, giving him Tony Stark as like a mentor. And then in the, in the second movie, like how do I live up to this legacy when I'm only a 16 year old kid? I thought that was a really good thing to do. Well, I actually liked the back and forth. I actually, the, the last Spider-Man movie, I actually liked the, the kids being kids more than the actual Spider-Man action. I mean, right. I thought Mysterio to me is lame. He was always lame character. You know, he had the fishbowl on his head. He was all just special effects. I mean, of all the villains, to me, he was the weakest one. And this movie seemed like more, they were going more for the, you know, the teenage interaction. And I thought that actually worked better than the actual when he was Spider-Man. And and what's the deal with, the, he doesn't wear his mask anymore and there's no more secret identity? That part I didn't like either. Well, I mean, that, that's old Spider-Man movies. Like, even when you go back to the Tobey Maguire one, how often is he standing around with his mask off and, and stuff like that. That that was that. It, it's just it's, it's because you got you're paying a, a high priced Hollywood actor who wants to have their face seen more often than in the mask. I mean that that's just unfortunately the pr- the price of of fame at this point. But like, I, I I would have been interested to see, and it still might happen. You know the where how, how they reconcile the end of. Um, far from home with the the big reveal with Jay Jonah's big reveal, you know, like that. That part was cool. That part was cool to me because you know I like the old stuff, and I'm like, yes, bringing it back. I mean, that was kind of cool because they they brought that back. They have the new with the old, right? I mean, and that, that, that's that's the hard part for anybody who's going to be doing a Spider-Man movie is trying to reconcile the tradition that you and I is as longtime fans who've been reading these stories for, for 40 years or more. Um, one, like, like, you know, how do you do a daily bugle at this point when we know newspapers are dying? Well, like having him, having Jay Jonah be like that, that conspiracy theory online YouTube guy made a ton of sense. Like, I, I like that, that spin on what Jay Jonah Jameson would be that, that, that kind of entertained me. Um, but that's always going to be something like with any of these movies, especially the character that's as old as, as this, how do you, how do you kind of bring it into a modern age, but still have it feel like the character that you and I have, have known for all the, all this time. Now, why do you think they made him bald and didn't bring back the flat top on J. Jonah Jameson? Um, I'm willing to bet J.K. Simmons is probably like, you know, I'm here for a couple hours. Do so I really need to go through all that makeup? Wow, you think he's that powerful? If the director wanted to him, he could just uh, say, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I think that probably would have been one of those things where the director would have been kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll let it slide. You know, I mean, I, I think the other thing is, I, I 
as, again, as much as I, I J.K. Simmons as Jay Jonah is, I, I don't see how you could ever replace him. And so bringing him back. Perfect casting. It was. And I, I feel like this may have been another way of, of also kind of, here's the character, here's the actor who played the character that you love, but we're going to change it up just a little bit so you don't confuse it with what you saw 10, 15 years ago. I want to talk to the listeners now. Make sure you guys leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Amish B Machine. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Like our Facebook page. Don't forget we have powerful merch. AmishBabyMachine.com. Check out our merch. If you want to support us, a great way to support us is Patreon. Patreon.com. Or also we have links on AmishBabyMachine.com. Now, Sean, how can the listeners enjoy your podcast? Where should they check you out? I am one of the co-hosts of the Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast. Um, we're pretty easy to find. We're on most podcatchers. Just give a search to Pittsburgh Nerd, and uh, you should be able to find us pretty easily. Uh, we're also on the the, uh, the Twitter and the Facebook. Uh, just uh, search Pittsburgh Nerd, and you will find us again uh, rather easily. You'll, you'll see our, our lovely logo. Um, that we have never been able to merchandise like you have. Powerful. Powerful logo. Classic microphone. We enjoy it. Reminds me of the Yeti microphone that is omnipotent in the podcast world. That's what I had my uh, my artist base off. <laughs> now I want to get back into Spider-Man. This is going to be a <laughs> Spider-Man powerful show today. All Spider-Man mm-hmm. all the time. Indeed. Go on and on. I get sick about reboots and all this and rehashing and remakes but i would like to see like a john romita spider-man i'd like to see a reboot of back in the silver age like the look the feel of that and i want the green goblin to come back and have him actually look like the green goblin now i i agree i would love to see the green goblin done right i i absolutely agree i mean i i think i mean that's spider-man's joker in many ways i get you know, yes it's, exactly it's exactly and you'd love to see that character really done right. Um, and I, I hope it could be done. Like I, I would, I would also love to see, um, this version of Spider-Man take on the, uh, the Kingpin from, uh, from Daredevil. Now who would play that? You're saying the actor. Well, yeah, the, the, act, the, um, if you go back to the Daredevil TV show, which which was on Netflix and, and was recently uh, canceled unceremoniously. Vincent D'Onofrio, powerful. Like I, I really loved his version of Kingpin. I thought he played it perfectly, and it's one of the again like you know with, with Spider Man coming into the MCU, it's one of those things I would have loved to have seen D'Onofrio reprise that character and take on. Like, like, be the guy who hires Craven the Hunter to to, to take on Spider Man or something. Like, I mean, something all those. those I'd, I'd love to see have seen that version of Kingpin in a Spider Man movie. Keeping with the theme, the letter K. How about Craven the Hunter? Who would you have play Craven the Hunter? Um, ooh, that's a that's a really good question. It, like, off the top of my head, I, I would probably go with somebody. Maybe a, a, a little bit older. Um, yes, he's got to be a big, hairy dude. You know what I mean? 
It can't, yeah. it can't be some young, an older dude, powerful, strapping. I, I'm, I'm going to keep it local here to Pittsburgh, and I'm going to take uh, Joe Maggianello. Yes, I'll go with that. Another powerful Italian, D'Onofrio. And yes. Italians are powerful. Yeah, but I mean, like I, he was a guy, you know, he was supposed to play Deathstroke in the uh, the DC universe, and now that that's been strapped, he can maybe ply his wares elsewhere. Now that we're on the subject of supervillains, who are yes. your top Spider-Man supervillains? Okay, uh, top Spider-Man supervillains. Okay, well, I'm I'm, I'm going to defy you once again. I'm, I'm going to go number five is, is Mysterio. Uh, I always liked the character because I thought he was. I liked the fact that he was a bit of a shyster. Like you know, I I, I kind of dug that that it, it was he didn't have super abilities, but yet he was using his his knowledge of special effects and stuff to try to pull off these crimes and make himself out to be something he really wasn't. So I always kind of dug that character because of that. At, at number four, I'm going to go with the Vulture, um, both the classic version from from back in the day, but also I, I really like the Keaton version. Um, I, I thought. Like that version of the character again made sense in the in the cinematic universe, and I thought, you know, Michael Keaton was just top notch in, in in that performance. Well, anything he um, does, he's powerful in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, the Vulture is another unusual one, one that you know the average person wouldn't pick. Why do you like the Vulture? I, I think again, like it's it, when you look back at like, especially like in the the early days, like in in the when I was reading comics in the seventies and the early eighties. When, as a kid, like it was, he was an, just an odd looking kind of character. I liked the, cause he, you know, he had the bald head. He had the big, big nose kind of beakish looking. He had the, the, the crazy green costume with the feathers. But I also like the fact that like, he was a guy who, who flew and he gave like a completely different type of fight to Spider-Man where, you know, now, instead of being on the ground and having a guy on the ground that he, he could, that Spider-Man would fight, like he was a guy who usually took to the sky and, and you know, you got a lot of like really cool action shots of Spider-Man swinging on the web, taking him on and fights and stuff like that. So I, I always, like, the, the character was always kind of, kind of neat in my opinion, like, from that standpoint. Now, what was his origin story? We're going to have to look that up. Yeah, I don't remember. Keep talking. I'm okay. looking it up. Okay. Well, while you look that up, I'm going to go with, um. Uh, my number three uh, Spider-Man villain, I am going to go with um, Electro. Great choice. Again, only uh, again, I'm I'm a guy who grew up, you know, sun, sun, you know, my my mornings I would watch before school. I would watch that 1966 Spider-Man cartoon. And I always remember Electro with the the big goofy looking, you know, electric bolt on his head looking goofy and like he had cool powers but he, he just he had a, a like a crazy looking costume that like as a kid just kind of drew me in what a great show it, it affected so many kids lives theme oh, song yeah. everything about it i mean it had the feel of spider-man and the characters oh yeah in the simplistic animation i i actually appreciate it 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 was that's just a great show and in the banter like to me, the new Spider-Mans, they need more of the wisecracking Spider-Man. More of like mm-hmm. a Deadpool. You know, the villains is always the back and forth. You know, hey, Spider-Man. And it's like, you know, he had some joke, you know, the Scorpion. And what's that? He's free. You know, the in melodramatic, the music. 
I mean, if they could incorporate oh, yeah. that into it and, you know, not make it cheesy, but just embrace it, that'd be f- fucking fantastic. Yeah, Electro's fantastic. I don't know if you remember, but around that same time, there were also four other cartoons that they did in that same style. One for um, Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Like, but they were like all like, they weren't like the full half hour. It would be like, like an adventure hour where you get like one 15 minute cartoon of each. They had, uh, and then what was the Spider-Man? What was the later series was when he was with, uh, Iceman and that, uh, fire chick. Oh, that was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yes. It is amazing friends. Yes. And then they had the fantastic four, but the human torch was too, uh, too threatening to the kids. So they had to add, add the little robot. Yeah, little Herbie. <laughs> Herbie. Okay, here, I found the origin. Okay. So uh, he was a former electronics engineer who was once a business partner of Gregory Bestman. So one day after creating a flight harness, Toombs eagerly rushed into Bestman's office to share the happy news. However, Bestman was not there, and Toombs discovered he was uh, embezzling funds. Let me fast forward here. So he got pissed at him. He wrecked the business, and then he discovered the harness also granted him super strength. He then decided to turn to crime professionally and became the vulture. So he gets all his power from the uh, suit, the harness. Okay. Yeah. So we got Electro. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah, Electro. Um, and then the two is is Doc Ock. Dr. Octopus. Yes. And again, just a, a great villain. Uh, another... This is a really good foil to Spider-Man because it was, you know, with the the the, the, the arms and everything that kind of went along with that. Like it, it, those were, again, those were always great fights and it, it, just a, a really just interesting character that that you know Stan Lee and Steve Ditko created. Um, as far as the look and everything about him, like I, I always like, I always liked Doc Ock, and then. Lastly is, you know, the Green Goblin, uh, you know, because, again, he, I mean, he's, he is essentially the Joker, you know, to Spider-Man's Batman. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. His bag of tricks. I mean, the pumpkin bombs, <laughs> his little finger shooting out sparks. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but he originally flew around on a broom. And then he went to the I, the glider. I vaguely remember that. Like, I, I, I don't want to tell you for sure, but like, I, I remember I, like when I was a little kid, I had these, like, it, they were like paperback books. They weren't trade paperbacks like we see today with comic books. They were like regular paperback books, but it was like, they would be like collections of like the first five issues of Spider-Man or the first five issues of Fantastic Four. And that's like where I got my comic book education when I was a kid from my dad. Like, he'd buy these, these 10 cent comic books for me and, and let me read them and so I, I vaguely remember him being on a broom at first before switching to the glider, but that was so long ago. I, I can't say for certain. No, it was powerful though. Yeah. The green goblin, the whole story, Norman Osborn and his kid, you know, yeah. Gwen, Gwen Stacy getting killed. I mean, the drama there, great character. I mean, that's, that's gotta be number one. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, and like you talk about like the history of Spider-Man, you know, the, the death of Uncle Ben clearly is important. And one of those few characters in comic book history that's never come back. But the other side of that is, is Gwen Stacy, the death of Gwen Stacy. And 
how that affected Spider-Man. And, you know, like it, for years upon years upon years, like, you, you, you know, I'm reading comic books in the 80s and they're still referring back to the death of Gwen Stacy. And so it, it was two amazing little storylines that, you know, uh, affected that character and made it into what, it, what he is. No, I got to go with Sandman in there. I love I, Sandman. I respect that choice. Yeah. And I love how he always were always wearing the same thing, kind of like the Hulk always wears yeah. purple jeans. <laughs> yeah, he always had, always had that goofy striped shirt. Yes. And you know what's weird too? A lot of Spider-Man villains I like are super powerful villains that you know uh hooked up with Hulk, like Rhino. Yeah. Like Rhino is epic. And also Juggernaut, he like Juggernaut, you wouldn't think, but he he got into a lot of fights with Juggernaut. Yeah, there was always a lot of crossover, especially in the early days, like with Spider-Man and like the X-Men or the Fantastic Four. Like, there was a lot more crossover uh, back then, even with the villains. Like, you know, it, it, you know, Juggernaut would show up for a couple episodes in Spider-Man, and then, then they'd go back to X-Men. He'd be like, holy heck, I can't believe it's Juggernaut. Another one of my favorite uh, kind of a crossover is the Absorbing Man, Crusher Creel. That guy, oh yeah, classic. It's a big bald dude swinging that ball and chain, and his abilities. He'd always, oh uh, yeah, he you know always absorb and turn into whatever was near him. What's weird is he would fight Thor a lot, also too. Absorbing man sure got around as a supervillain. Yeah, I mean they, they Marvel did a, like a really good job, especially with like the powerful ones like. Uh, like I, I could just imagine like the guys in that that old Marvel pool bent back in the day, like just being like, "What would happen if we put Absorbing Man against Thor?" I don't know. Let's figure that out. You know, I mean, like, I I feel like like that was kind of the mentality back then. Like now, it's like you know, well, these guys are these guys' characters, so you don't you can't cross them over with another one. And but back then, I just I feel like it was just like, yeah, they're all Marvel characters. We'll just switch them around whenever we need a new villain for, for Spider-Man or the X-Men the face, you know. Now now that we uh, mentioned your ultimate top of the supervillains, tell me some of the ones that are the lamest ones you can think of. Because it's so funny, Spider-Man had some of the coolest supervillains and then some of the dumbest ones. Oh, my. I got to um, go with the kangaroo. It's got to be one of the dumbest ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, uh, forget some of the dumber ones just because they don't stick with me you know it's um, one that's really popular and it's it's a whole batman thing too you know like if you say green goblin's a joker is the black cat i don't know why she's so popular yeah. but I, I i mean i i think it's a good character i i, I just it's like one of those characters where it's like it, it, you know yeah clearly she's a, a ripoff of Catwoman, and you know and then they try to play off that you know, will they, won't they kind of romance aspect with, with them. And uh, I, I get it. You're right. Like, but I think at the same time, like if you just kind of take that character on her own and take her out of Spider-Man, I, I think she's a, she could be a very interesting character when she's written right. Now, who else do you think? Who are some other ones that are weak? You could look at Craven the Hunter and you could go, okay, that is a wackadoo costume that I don't see how you can make that work today. But yet I can see how that costume could somehow be made to work today too. So I, I, I mean, I, I, but like I said, like the, some, some of his weaker, like C list villains, 
they, they don't stick with me like they do with some of the other comics just because I, like I read a lot of Spider-Man, but it wasn't like my obsession. Like it was with like Batman and like how I can go like through some of his C-list villains and be like, Oh yeah, he, he's a joke or he's a one-off stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, Batman had so much more history too. So many more years. Right. So going on with Spider-Man, I mean, are you, are you look, do you think this Sony Disney thing is just going to be a blip or is going to actually cause some changes? Well, okay. okay. I think you have to think of it this way. If this is a permanent stop, you have major changes that you have to make to the, the Marvel cinematic universe because of where you left off with far from home. Like you kind of gave, Peter Parker, the keys to the store with, with the, the glasses. And you, you've kind of positioned him for the next phase to be the next Iron Man. Like that was kind of the whole point of that movie is him trying to learn to live up to being Tony Stark and feeling he's worthy of, of that, that those reins that in many ways, Tony kind of hands to him. Um, so if that's the case, if, if, if he's out of the MCU, then you've got a lot of rethinking to do of what the future of the franchises are because you're, you, you kind of put yourself in a position where the linchpin is supposed to be Spider-Man. The other side of that, though, is if, if again, if it stays permanent, what is Sony going to do? Because they've, they've already launched you know, their their quote unquote spider verse with venom, you know, venom two is being made. Uh, uh, the great Andy circus is going to direct venom two. We also have right now Morbius is in production with, uh, Jared Leto in that title role. Speaking of lame villains that I'm not quite sure how they got a, a, a movie. There's one right there. It is weird. How, of all the ones they picked. Yeah. So I mean, you, you're you're trying to create this this Spider Verse that now you can have Spider Man in, and so like, where do you how do you shoehorn him into that? Do you introduce him in Venom Two uh, somehow, and then from there start making your own movies? I like because the, the thing I don't want like if this is the case, if if this is what's going to happen, I don't need to see the origins of Spider-Man again. Like I like, and that's one of the things I did like about how Marvel handled it. You didn't have to see him get bit by the radioactive spider and learn how to be Spider-Man. It was kind of like, okay, this happened. You got like a really brief description of him talking to his buddy Ned about it. And they moved on from it. Like I, I don't need to go, go through that all over again. I, I feel like just, just get me into the, to the character. And I feel like, 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 doing it kind of the same way Marvel did by introducing him in another movie like Venom 2 might help expedite that process. That being said, would you see a Spider-Man movie that's animated like the Spider-Verse, but it would be, like I said, like a old school Silver Age John Romita looking film? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would love to see them. I, I, I think the great thing about in the Spider-Verse, part of it was the animation and the animation style and it 
it had a comic book feel to it. You know, a exactly. lot of times you could see like like the dots like back in the old school days, how that exactly. would kind of the print would look and stuff like that. So I, I, I feel like, yeah, if, if they were to do something where they were to like kind of like take that that old school animation from the sixty six Spider Man series and kind of give it a a modern update but still have that feel to it. Yeah, I'd be all in on something like that. Yeah, you're right. You got to have the soul of the old feel because if it comes out too generic, too CGI looking, then you lose that that soul. But you're right. If you if you can kind of give the feel of hand drawn, even though it's not hand drawn, you're right. Then it's going to bring right. you into that comic book world, and it's going to be like you're actually going into the comic book instead of having a movie that reminds you of the comic book versus just going right like we were talking earlier on the last podcast about the costumes how they have to change the costumes and make them leather and make them more believable even though you have this unbelievable character so if they somehow right. could blend the film with the feeling of the comic book that'd be awesome yeah i i agree like i mean i i think like you said i mean that that's about like that style of animation and like uh, you know you would see like i mean you could tell it was like somebody like just like we're going to draw this over a static background that never moves but you know i mean it, it was like it had a fun feel to it that even as a kid i was like well that's not great but i really like it and i'm, I'm not saying that that's how it has to look like but like you you're right like that that hand-drawn feel would be really important like I, i'd love to see something like that um just just to like really get back to the roots of what Spider-Man is. Oh, absolutely. Get that 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 rich, you know, saturated color. Mhm. Powerful. And like and like even like the villains like you could like I mean I would love to see on the big screen like Electro with the big goofy headpiece. God, wasn't Jamie Foxx the worst Electro ever? What were they thinking? There's nothing about him that says Electro. I, I I think a lot of what they were trying to do, if you, if you go back and you you look at like um, when Marvel did um, the Ultimate series, and they had Ultimate Spider-Man, I think that's the kind of the look and feel they were trying to go for with Jamie Fox, and they didn't quite pull it off. But he ended up looking frozen. Like he was ice, not electricity. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I, I a, 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 there's a lot of things I like about Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man too, but the the look of Electro was not one of them. I I I, I agree. Like he, it, 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 he was. It was like they went to go for like a translucent look because he was electrified. Yeah, exactly. And they couldn't quite pull it off. No, it, it came off looking like ice. There's nothing about it. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to be like, it should be like lightning bolts, you know, like Thor. I mean, he's got that much power. It yeah. Should, it shouldn't, you're right. It shouldn't look like some translucent, like he's just got static electricity going on him or something. And speaking of power, did you have a powerful time tonight on this, the most powerful podcast ever created? It has been a powerful time. This has been, a, you know, it's always a lot of fun. Um, and it's been a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I needed to talk about Spider-Man, and I know you're a powerful expert in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I had to have you on the show. 
and I really appreciate it. I, I'm glad to be here, and I, I try to keep up. You know, it's it's what we do. Awesome. Well, guys, we really appreciate everyone that listens. We appreciate Sean being on this show. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.